Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. On this Monday, we're bringing you a full show live from the studio today. Later, we're going to have the executive director of Stop Anti-Semitism. You know, the group that found all those viral videos of anti-Semites or people behaving in a way that could be interpreted as anti-Semitic. In America, immediately after this terrorist attack of October 7th, she's going to be here to reveal their anti-Semite of the year uh, for 2023. So many candidates to choose from. The nominations were very tight, uh, but there was a clear winner, and I think you're going to agree with who it is. First, though, we've got one of my very favorite writers and people joining me right here, Maureen Callahan of The Daily Mail, and it's a great day for Maureen. The Megyn Kelly Show is supported by Grand Canyon University. Founded in 1949, GCU is a private Christian university that's dedicated to delivering an affordable and transformative higher education. Their vibrant campus is located in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, and according to Niche.com, ranked a top 25 best campus in the USA. As of June 2023, GCU offers 330 academic programs, with over 270 of them online, allowing you the freedom to earn your degree on your time from wherever you are. At GCU, your degree, whether it's a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate, integrates the free market system and a welcoming Christian worldview. Learn more about GCU's programs, competitive tuition rates, and scholarship offers from your university counselor. They're part of the supportive graduation team that takes a personalized approach to helping you achieve your academic goals walking alongside you every step of the way. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. For more info or to enroll, visit gcu.edu. Got Jeffrey Epstein, Meghan Markle, Mehdi Hassan. He's fired. Well, out. Plus, the Golden Globes last night. So much to get to. Maureen, welcome back. Great to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Okay, but we have to start with Lloyd Austin. Yes, please. The MIA defense secretary, who now we learn that he was completely out of commission he had some sort of elective procedure mm-hmm. a week ago mm-hmm. and something went wrong. Mm-hmm. It got infected. I don't They're not telling us what the procedure was, but mm-hmm. something went wrong to the mm-hmm. point where on New Year's Day, he had to go into the intensive care unit mm-hmm. and no one knew. The national security advisor didn't know. The White House didn't know. And while they're now saying that the deputy defense secretary was told she was in Puerto Rico sunning herself on the beach. No one domestically was here and in charge. And there's a real question about whether we were endangered for the past week because the defense secretary was too embarrassed to tell people he had some sort of a procedure that went wrong. I I am amazed that this is considered something voluntary. Right. Is it it that you have a, 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 a job of this import And the world is on fire. Biden is off sunning himself in the Caribbean. Your number two is off sunning herself in Puerto Rico. Does not know you're in the hospital. Is just informed. You're taking over for the moment. And we still don't know. We only learned this on Friday. Right. So the White House owes the American people quite an explanation for how all of this went down. I've also read reports that the White House has said somebody's head is going to roll, Mm -hmm. but it won't be Austin's Mm -hmm. and it won't be his number two. 
So who will it be? Well, here's what's crazy. Uh, they're saying that it was Austin's chief of staff, I think it was, who was responsible for telling everybody at the Pentagon that this was going down. But she was ill. She wasn't feeling well, Maureen. Oh, uh, well, you know, there is something going around, <laughs> Megan. It's really stubborn. There are 30,000 people at the Pentagon. They couldn't find one person to make a phone call for her you're so that the White House was briefed. You're also telling me this guy did not have access to his phone, was not checking email. I mean, how many of us can go for an hour without our phone? We're not the head of security. This is suspicious. That's the bottom line is this is suspicious. There's no way both Austin and his spokesperson or chief of staff, I've got to look up which one it was, was so incapacitated to the point where they couldn't communicate the fact that he was in the intensive care unit while we have all this stuff happening in the Middle East, Ukraine. You know, our troops are getting involved now in the Red mm-hmm. Sea and they couldn't bother. There's something suspicious. Something's definitely going on. And that's what's leading people to say they've, they've got to do something. Yeah, it was chief of staff who did not get in touch with anybody at the Pentagon other than one phone call to the deputy. But there is a duty to let the chain of command know the national security advisor should have been advised. The president should have been advised. But there's no question. There's no question. You know, Colin Powell went in in 2003 for prostate cancer for an operation That's not nearly as, you know, grave. It it didn't put him in the ICU, but he alerted everyone who needed to know. And there were processes in place in case something happened. This is how an orderly system of government works. And I think that the problem going forward is going to be this all blends into the narrative that we've got a White House being run by somebody who is napping half of the time. Yes, that's exactly right. He's been absentee, right? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. where's the leadership? You have to imagine, first of all, the press coverage of this whole thing would be very different had it been Trump and Trump's secretary of defense. That person would have a five figure book deal. Yeah, true. That's exactly right. And the media would have been absolutely unforgiving. Second of all, um, you you have to imagine that there somebody's going to have to get fired. I mean, because what we're hearing right now is reports out of the White House that Biden spoke with Austin and said, gee, I hope you feel better. Look forward to you getting back to work at the Pentagon, that he's not going to be the one to get fired. How can he not be fired? How can it? I'm sure he likes Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin made a screw up the level of Saturn. And if there's no accountability, someone's going to pay politically. And that person's probably going to be Joe Biden. Yes, rightly so. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you don't punish Austin for this. I don't, you know, there's reports that he was very close to Bo Biden, and this sort of seems to be Biden's Achilles heel. Those around him who are close to him, who aren't up to what they should be capable of, or they are dragging him down in some way, see Hunter, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he sort of seems to operate with this sort of like mafia-like kind of loyalty towards those who maybe are dead weight. I mean, this is if if the White House press room is not on fire this afternoon about this, if everyone from every outlet left, center, right is not pressing the White House press secretary as to what happened, how, where is Austin now? What did he have? How is his recovery going? Who is in charge? What if something happened last week? Yeah. They're saying they don't want to reveal what the original procedure was that went south and landed him a couple of days later in the ICU because the, the, the administration is saying um, because, you know, of HIPAA. <laughs> OK, with Alter, I don't give a shit about HIPAA. 
I give a shit about what's happening in the Middle East yeah. and me and my kids yeah. and my country yeah. and why we weren't being protected because Lloyd, I don't know now that not telling us is only going to lead to speculation about hair transplants, penile implants, weight loss surgery. That's what the Internet's doing right now. Sure. He should just tell us it would be far less embarrassing. Of course, if you have a duty. There's a reason you don't have to tell your viewers every year that you passed a physical. Yeah. And right. that you are cognitively intact. But yeah. the president of the United States must do so. Yeah. And we all see what we see. We see a president who is not cognitively intact. We see a president who does not have the energy. And this is going to help Trump. All of this. Yeah. You know, there was that report that Obama had to come to Jesus meeting with Biden and his top advisors. And said, you got to get energized. Mm -hmm. You got to take this seriously. They're very the Obama camp is very worried about the direction of the Biden campaign. They should be. Yeah, they should be. And they're sleepwalking right into. A well, think about it. The both like the most devastating moment in Biden's presidency thus far was definitely August of 21. The disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yes. Involving the same player. Yes. And it what did it show? Weakness, fecklessness by the sitting commander in chief. And now here we are again, where his right hand man, when it comes to national defense, has completely blown him off and disrespected the chain of command. Mm -hmm. That's very clear. Mm -hmm. And because he was close to Bo or for some other because he likes the guy. Right. He's now going to give him a pass. At least that's what the administration's first telegraph has been, that he, they spoke, that Biden was very chummy with him and says he's lo he's looking forward to him coming back. If there if 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 we don't see heads roll over this and it really needs to be Lloyd Austin's head, I'm sorry, with all due respect, I'm sure he's a nice man. I don't care. Um, it just it feeds into the narrative that this is a feckless commander in chief who let us once again be vulnerable and exposed because he doesn't, for one thing, scare anybody. I think two things. Maybe we should get Bill Ackman on this. <laughs> yes. Number two, you're absolutely right. That withdrawal from Afghanistan sent the world a very clear message, which is that we are back on our heels. We're becoming a bit more isolationist. We don't really care. We botched it so badly. And it's no accident that ever since then, that region of the world has been on fire. And there is a part of this country that I think I used to think that if it were Trump Biden, in 2024, it would be Biden by a hair. But now I really think it might be Trump. Yep. And I think it might be Trump because we know that the world no longer fears us. And that is a terrifying place to be. Yeah. At least with Trump, we had the advantage of, I mean, because after eight years of Obama, they did not fear us. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he took out bin Laden, but come on, any sitting president would have unleashed that mission if given the data that we were given by that CIA woman. Mm -hmm. um, but in any event, after eight years of Obama, I don't know that they feared us. Then Trump got in there and whether they feared us or just feared his instability, which was a smart fear, given what we did to Soleimani, mm -hmm. it worked to our advantage. Mm -hmm. Then we go back to Biden, where we gave the farm away nearly as soon as he took office. And we've never recovered. We've never recovered from it. And now this just plays into the whole narrative that he's absentee. He was disrespected by his secretary of defense. And for the sake of the nation, he can't allow it. And Lloyd may be a very nice guy. I hope whatever procedure he had works out to Lloyd's advantage and he recovers from the ICU stay, but he has got to go. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, and the campaign is another hot mess, which we will get to. Oh, hold on a second. One second. We've got some news coming in on this. Um, oh, this is from the, the White House gaggle uh, where they get to shout questions at the administration. This is to 
John Kirby, who's, you know, the guy they put in when they need a serious answer, not yes. Kareem Jean-Pierre. Yeah. There was just a report last week that Kareem Jean-Pierre hates him. I'll bet. <laughs> right. Get better and then they won't need him. Um, okay, the question, does the president know what elective surgery Austin has, even though the American people do not do not know? Kirby, I don't know the level of president of the president's personal knowledge of this medical situation. Should the American people have confidence in Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, given his lack of transparency? Corinne Jean-Pierre also was there. The president continues to have complete confidence. Last but not least, uh, John Kirby uh, let's see, on Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin being incapacitated for days without telling anyone, quote, as you might expect, we'll take a look at process and procedure here and try to learn from this experience. And hope it blows over or yeah. some other story dominates the news cycle and we can just sweep this away. It's shocking. You know, the other thing I was thinking about while you were talking about Biden and this sense that, you know, everything feels asleep at the wheel is you you conflate all of this. You, you know, I was listening to Governor Abbott this weekend on one of the Sunday shows and the the crisis at the border and what's going on in New York and New Jersey, where they're shipping migrants here. And it's just this is this contributes, I think, to this entire sense that this administration is chaos. It is chaos. Nobody is in control. You are 100 percent right. Yep. If you had a number two who just sort of took off for a week and didn't tell you. And then it turned out they were in the hospital. Oh and then God. it turned out they were gravely ill. You're in the ICU for a reason. And you don't know. And as president, you say that there are reasons that that would be acceptable. Right. And then you say, why didn't anybody tell me? And the guy says, oh, I told my chief of staff to tell you. And well, why didn't she? Well, she didn't feel well. I see. And therefore, she didn't think it was okay to tell the president of the United States. She couldn't manage it. Like, Think of the sickest you've ever been, right? Unless she was also in the ICU. Right. It's totally and utterly inexcusable. And even then, he would have known that and he would have told somebody else, make sure that the NSA is involved, make sure the White House knows there's something else happening here. Um, I'll give you a couple quotes from Mark Thiessen, who I love. He's at AEI now, but he used to work for the Secretary of Defense in the Bush administration, um, among other questions he's asking. How is it that with hundreds of attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq, Syria and the Red Sea and wars raging in Europe and the Middle East, that the president and his top advisors went three days without speaking to the secretary of defense? Point. Right. He said this Great is as point. embarrassing for the White House as for the secretary of defense. Like, good point. Why aren't we in touch with the sec def while all this stuff is going down? And does it raise real questions about really, again, who is at the wheel? Is anybody does does anybody I mean, do you all I have a sense of in terms of this administration and their engagement with the Israeli Palestinian crisis is that they would like Israel to dial it back. Mm. That's all yeah. we really know. Right. That is astonishing to me. We still have at least eight American hostages, I believe, over there, mm -hmm. 140 hostages in total. And it seems like the world now just shrugs. That's the perfect transition. And it's a weird one, but it works to the Golden Globes last night. Mm -hmm. Because you and I both know, how many of these have we sat through where we saw the little Ukrainian ribbon, or we saw the, the pink ribbon, mm -hmm. or we saw the black ribbon for me too? Mm -hmm. They couldn't muster one, right? Like where was the massive outpouring of support and speeches for what's happened to Israelis and to the eight Americans who are still being held? Nothing. It was shocking to me, you know? With me too, 
remember all those actresses dressed up in black that year? And last year, the sort of chic cause was uh, refugees. And a lot of people wore blue ribbons. Right. Just world refugees, no matter the political strife, what have you. Right. Just in general. In general, refugees were pro them. Okay. (laughs) Israel. There was a great report in the Ankler in the weeks and months leading up to the Globes, which is already kind of on life support in terms of cultural relevancy. Were these actors and actresses going to wear yellow ribbons in support of Israel or in support of the hostages? And this was a major crisis, a major crisis. The debate. The debate. And what you saw last night was nothing. Right. Nothing. You know, think about like Meryl Streep, you know. Remember, I forget whether it was before or after Trump was elected, but she got up and she gave this huge speech about bullies. Yep. And she was applauded like the second coming. Not a word last night. Not a word. It just it it tells you everything. I I feel like most of them, maybe I'm just being too optimistic in the face of all the anti-Semitism we've seen, Mm. but. I feel like most of them are probably pro-Israel, more pro-Israel than they are pro, you know, Hamas. Mm-hmm. But they're fucking cowards. Excuse me. But they are just cowards. They're afraid. They don't want the shit storm coming down on them that rained down on one of the Kardashians, Kylie, when she tried to sweet, tweet out support for Israel. Right. Even before Israel started its retaliata- retaliation campaign. Right. She, she was too afraid to leave it up. Right. And these Hollywood people are totally spineless. So they were afraid to take a a stance unless it's publicly, it's going to have to be something like what Taylor Swift did, which is to raise money for the Palestinians, not, not the Israelis. Yeah, I know. It's so strange. You know, one of the biggest um, films that's nominated and will be an Oscar contender as well is called zone of interest. I don't know if you've heard of it. Is this one about the, it's about the Holocaust? Yes. It's loosely based on a Martin Amos novel and it's about a chief SS officer who lives with his family right next door to a concentration camp. So it's sort of the banality of evil. And this is an industry that loves to tell the story of the Holocaust in World War II over and over and over again as a kind of never again thing. And there is value in that. But you also have to ask, where is the moral and ethical integrity when we're seeing a second Holocaust and nobody will stand up in the moment? Mm -hmm. This is a group of people who signed an open letter in support of Roman Polanski. Oh, my God. You're right. I forgot about that. But this is too much of a third rail. It's 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 one of those moments in the culture where you feel a bit. I feel very queasy. They'll exploit the pain and the history of Jewish people like that for a dime to make and awards. Right. And awards. But when push comes to shove and Jews are actually being killed and being treated like third class citizens here in America after their people were murdered, their babies were murdered. They can't muster the courage to wear a freaking ribbon. Uh, It's disgusting. That's why nobody wants to watch these shows. They know these are terrible people, Maureen. It's not just that they're whatever, they're actors, they're actors. Maybe you don't care. They're not good people. Well, here's a documentary they might want to consider for consideration next year. How about the 47 minute long piece of footage put together by the Israeli military? Oh, wow that details what went on that day. And it was taken from body cam footage, from the terrorists, from first responders, iPhone footage from survivors and people who did not make it. And I'll tell you, that piece of film is an incredibly well done story, front to back. It 
starts by putting you, the viewer, in the driver's seat of somebody's just average car on a Saturday morning driving down a highway. And before they can even realize what they're seeing is a convoy of terrorists in front of them, bullets start smashing through. Mm. And you go through the entire day. And this tells a narrative in a way that leaves no question what went on, who is in the right, who is in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is a film I think that should be required viewing for anybody who wants to weigh in and talk about what's going on in Gaza instead. That's why they won't. They won't nominate it and they won't show it. Last year, they they let Vladimir Zelensky appear. Great point. <laughs> at the Golden Globe. Can you imagine if Bibi Netanyahu? They would never well, invite Bibi's him. Well, Bibi's not in SAG, right? Oh, Isn't right. Zelensky a former comic well, actor? <laughs> no, they would never. I mean, honestly, like far cry from that. They couldn't even muster the ribbon. So it's disgusting. And we know who they are. All right. But there were a couple of moments worth discussing. Uh, there was a guy named Joy Coy, who was the host. You know, the past years we had... Ricky Gervais, which was amazing. We've had others. Joy Coy got pulled out there. Sorry, Joe. And Joe um, was only hired like, I don't know, 10 days, 10 days ago? ago. Is that true? Is that a date you would accept? What, like uh, if you're uh, asked 10 days before the Globes, like, you know, you're on the very bottom of that list. No. Because a That's lot like, of people pass. If people, sometimes I do public speaking, you know, like to, mm -hmm. to groups. If they call me like within two weeks, I'm like, screw you. No, <laughs> I know very well how you got to me. The answer is no. Well, you have self-esteem apparently. <laughs> but this guy, and so he bombed, he fell on his face. And then apparently during the monologue, he blamed the writers for not giving him good enough material. Oh, that's not a good which, sign. Which again, you know, you can't. You just can't. A, here's a little sample of him trying to be funny in Sat 4. The key moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite, and flat feet. Ah, or what casting directors call character actor. <laughs> <laughs> some I wrote, some other people wrote. Robert De Niro's here. Yo, I got the gig 10 days ago. You want a perfect monologue? Yo, yeah, shut up. You got, you're kidding me, right? Down. I wrote some of these, and they're the ones you're laughing at. Look. Robert De Niro's here. I'm sorry. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm fanning out. I love you, Robert. Okay? If it's awkward, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your last performance has got to be your greatest performance ever. How'd you get her pregnant at 80? CGI. CGI. I don't even get it. I don't get the it, a character actor with a. Was he saying feet. Margot Robbie has bad breath and flat? Is that what he's like? What is he saying that it's what character actors do is sort of uglify themselves or they're already not that attractive? I don't like I don't these, get it. These losers of Hollywood that just play random roles as opposed to the star. I, I don't understand any of it. If I have to work this hard to understand, it, it's not funny. One hundred percent. Yeah. So he was their choice mm -hmm. and he didn't go over well. And one of the moments that's getting a lot of attention is he made a joke about Taylor Swift, which was fine. I actually thought he was spot on with the commentary. She did not appreciate it. Here's what happened. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to here. Sorry about that. So, can't, can't she just like 
show that she's the a good sport, right? I think she made the wrong move. I felt the same way. I thought, wow, if we needed any further proof that she has no sense of humor about herself and there, this will be a revenge song in her, yeah. <laughs> whatever her next magnum opus is. Oh, for the listening audience, she she looked angry and she took a sip of her drink. Oh, yes. Yeah. Death glare. Death glare. It was, I thought it was funny. Come on. Yes, come on. Come on. You're at the Golden Globes. Your movie made, you're, you're in a category because your movie made over 150 million at the box office. No small feat post COVID. You know, come on. This is, this is what bothers people. You know, this room full of multimillionaires who are the most privileged, who cannot take a, a swipe. It's what made it Ricky was so Gervais. gentle. Yeah, it, it was, was a, a gentle yeah. swipe. And by the way, I mean, she's not in charge of the number of times the NFL chooses to put her on cam. That's not her fault. It is annoying. And if she were smart, she would laugh like she was in on the joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've told the audience I'm still listening to Barbara Streisand's memoir. <laughs> it's almost a thousand pages and I have a life to live. Um but one of the things they revisit in the book is um, th- uh, the way we were, which, of course, you know, we've all yes. seen with Robert Redford. Yes. And I forgot. I went back and watched it. And uh, I had forgotten that scene in the opening uh, part of the movie where she's like this activist on campus and she's supporting communism. She's a pinko commie. Mm-hmm. And she's up there you know, saying everybody else should, too. And um, they make some crude joke behind her, like Katie. And it's something about like everyone's tried Katie's piece or something like that. It's something a little off color. And she gets angry. She was winning the crowd over and then she gets angry and she loses them. Yeah. And later Hubble, Robert Redford says to her, you should have laughed. And she said, it wasn't funny. And he says that it's funny is not the only reason to laugh at something. Yes. Yes. You have to show a sense of humor and a sense of humility about yourself. Taylor Swift is not above a minor little fly swat here or there. She has been dominating the culture for the past year. She has been given laurel upon laurel. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's yeah, the problem. Right. She, it, if I had been her advisor, I would have said, you you know, you should laugh and maybe even do like a, a face plant. Like, oh, I'm embarrassed, you know? Yes. Because to show I didn't really want that, but I'm dating an NFL football player, like something to communicate. You get it. It's been a bit much. That looked like, how dare you question me in my popularity? Yes. 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 I wonder what her reaction would have been like had I been somebody not sort of so much lower on the totem pole. Oh, like a Ricky Gervais. Or a Chris Rock, Uh, you know, where you would have to sort of go along to get along. That's a good point. Maybe that's what she thought. Well, one of the people who's above most of the guys in that room is Jim Gaffigan, at least in terms of the numbers who download his specials. And he got up there and made, he got an award for like best host of something, best comedy host. He beat out uh, Sarah Silverstein and some, many others. And um, made made a jab that was, very on point, given everything that's coming out right now about Jeffrey Epstein and his connections with, you know, all these big names. Here's what he said. The Golden Globes. I mean, I, I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. I can't. I, you know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile. You know... I just, I mean, back to your reference of Roman Polanski. Yeah. 
and just all the Epstein stuff we've seen and his hobnobbing with people in power. Now, it wasn't all Hollywood. There's a lot of politicians, too. Mm-hmm. But that took guts. You got to give him credit. That was great. He should have been the host. Yeah. I'm sure they begged him. He's Probably. a much bigger name than Joe Coy. Probably. And he doesn't need to do it. And he's so underrated, Jim Gaffigan. But that that reminded me there was um that year after Harvey was exposed. Was it the Globes or the Oscars? Somebody made a joke about Harvey, about how bad it was to rape women, essentially. Yeah. And the camera cut to Tom Hanks and he made a face. Like talk like he of disapproved of the joke. He disapproved of the joke. Oh, come on. Like, how dare you sort of impugn? Uh, the, I guess it was probably the rest of us in this room, right? Who probably knew all along and we impugn our mouths shut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. That was a, that was a bridge too far for for Mr. Nice Guy Tom Hanks. Oh my god, yeah. that's that's shocking. Um, all right, so it, oh, Steve's telling me it was Ricky Gervais who made the oh there you go. the comment. Of course, Ricky, the fearless Ricky Gervais. Um, one of the other low points of the evening was the honoring of. Dylan Mulvaney on the red carpet. Why was he there? They they never miss an up. Look at this. This is a man. This is a man once again trying to impersonate a woman and being rewarded richly for it. I think his his fee, speaking fees are now up to like thirty to fifty thousand dollars a gig. And look at him. This is a guy, and they all go along with it. They call him she. And there hasn't been an awards ceremony or a big sort of red carpet event that they haven't invited him to. Maureen, I am sick of seeing his face. There was a post on Twitter where somebody said Dylan Mulvaney turns heads at the Golden Globes and Kelly J. Keene retweeted it saying stomachs, you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Dylan Mulvaney, that's surprising to me. I don't know why the Globes felt they needed Dylan. You don't. Vice versa. Well, actually, I take that back. You're right. I do. I should have. I should have just assumed why it's you know, it it's so disheartening because this is sort of on the heels of Riley Gaines going before Congress and just advocating for biological females in sport. That's it. It's very simple. And this was right around the time we saw a 50 year old man. Yeah. Competing against 13 year old girls. He's an otter. He's on the otters up there in Canada. Right. And so this is what we're sort of valorizing. Just Melody blanket. Wiseheart. That's, that was his, his fake name is Melody Wiseheart. Wow. Yeah, I've got oh, that one right here. Wiseheart. Yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Melody. Oh, boy. But yeah, the, but so this is what we valorize instead, you know, and it, it really does speak to the sort of binary thinking in terms of what causes the industry deems valid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trans activism I think being completely you're pro, pro, pro. There's no room for nuance debate. And it's the same with Israel. We're seeing it's it's just it's again, I don't know what we really expect. But but on that theme, which we talked about how they're feckless and they're they're yeah. not fearless. They're filled with fear. Yeah. That's why they won't say anything about the missing American hostages, mm-hmm. the, the Israelis who are still in custody, the women who have been sexually abused repeatedly before they were murdered, these terrorists playing with their breasts, shooting them. Uh, forgive me for the casual reference, but in the vagina repeatedly as, as to murder them. They won't that that doesn't deserve a damn ribbon at the Golden Globes. They can't muster that. Right. But you can parade Dylan Mulvaney out there. 
because that's brave. Right. That's allyship. The same thing with me, too. You're going to stand by women who have been sexually assaulted there. OK, but not in Israel. Right. Uh, got it. Even if it's American women, because they happen to be in Israel. Got it. And the, the Dylan Mulvaney thing is a, is a fuck you to women. He is a middle finger to women. His the hundred day of girls, of right. his Barbie apparatus, his uh, Eloise act where he looks like a little girl. All of it is a middle finger to us. So if you want to stand up for women, you really do stand by women. You don't have to go out there and rip on him like I do all the time. And I've seen you write about you just don't invite him. Don't, right. Don't put him up there like he's a cause celeb. Right. Right. I mean, that reminds me of also the Nike endorsement where he was in the backyard and sort of acting like a female athlete would act, but sort of like in need, prancing, of, a bra. In need of a sports bra, <laughs> you know, which like, again, I, it's amazing to me that Nike survived that backlash that, you know, Bud Light's a whole different animal, but to try to appeal to female athletes shilling sports bras, but yeah. you've got a man With in a them. Man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. This is, I mean, a very small sliver of the population to whom they mean to appeal. And I'm like, they, they moved on from that one pretty quickly. Uh, okay. Much, much more to get to. Uh, we'll get, we're going to take a quick break and then much, much more with Maureen. Don't go away. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes in equal opportunity and that the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The Claudine Gay forced resignation mm -hmm. from the presidency at Harvard is still making news. And over the weekend, it led to this debate on, I guess now they're using Chris Wallace after his look who's talking to Chris Wallace show completely and utterly failed. They're turning him back to politics because he was on CNN doing a political clip that I saw. And it involved um, Kara Swisher, who used to write for The New York Times, uh, and this woman, Lulu Garcia Navarro, who's from The New York Times, against Jonah Goldberg and Rehan Salam, who's with the Manhattan Institute. And this woman, Lulu Garcia Navarro from The New York Times, is, as it turns out, an hysteric. We cut just a little bit for you on how upset she is that Claudine <laughs> Gay had to go. In some cases, you have groups that are overrepresented and that can be OK. You know, the point that J.D. Vance was making about the Dallas Mavericks is that it can be good and healthy and reasonable in some domains to have overrepresentation. Ridiculo. Ridiculo. Also be this is, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This is the burden, and I can't tell you how infuriating I find it. This is the burden that always comes with representation. This was an ideological, Absolutely. very well-funded... The, the motives and, of the attack and, don't and, change the fact that you plagiarized. And, and where I disagree oh, with you, Kara, is when you say... When somebody they, fails who's white and, and who's mean, a man... Let me finish. Like oh, let me finish. 
Let me, after you just heard her interrupt him. Right. Morning, it was ridiculous. I love that. I love the rolled R. I love it. Just in case you were wondering, I'm a Latinx is basically what that rolled R meant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or is it Latinx? I never it know. It goes either way. I, oh, We've, does it? But I've chosen to go with Latinx because it's extra absurd. Well, you're unlike the Latin community, which hates that term. <laughs> yes, I'm Never the one uses who loves it, it, but <laughs> allyship, Megan. It's important. <laughs> Um, so yes, Claudine Gay, this is amazing to me. This is so John McWhorter in the times today had another great piece for those who might not be familiar. He is a black professor of linguistics at Columbia, and he wrote a book called woke racism. And he is amazing. He wrote another piece ratifying why Claudine Gay had to go and sort of just shredding to ribbons, this notion that her ouster was the direct result of work by conservative activists Mm -hmm. and ideologues to get a black woman out of a premium perch in academia. And he gave several examples to refute this idea. And I kind of am obsessed with the long tail that this story is having. Right. It is. It really is. You would think like once she was gone, we might have exercised ourselves of this, but we haven't. And that's telling us something about ourselves. I'm not quite sure what it is yet, whether it's just how divided we remain or how we're so entrenched in these camps and we cannot have a nuanced conversation. And the other thing, and I wonder what you make of this, because we've been talking about the plagiarism now for like a couple of weeks. I almost feel like that's moved the goalposts. We're not discussing the Mm anti-Semitism, which to me is the far more grave offense. That's a good point. I think people are more comfortable on the plagiarism. She could have been fired just for the comments she made before Congress, like mm-hmm. Liz McGill was. Mm-hmm. A white woman. Hello. Great point. She wasn't. That I mean, once again, if anything, she had more chances afforded to her than her white counterpart over at Penn. Um, but yeah, people moved on quickly because the Palestinian lobby has gotten so strong in the United States and has so many supporters among the woke young Democrats in particular, it's become politically risky, right? So they, I mean, even her centrist detractors, the right wanted her gone for the obvious reason. She wasn't qualified and we knew it. But the centrist sort of leftists were like, "Mm, I shouldn't make it about Israel. I can see we don't have support there. So let's go with the plagiarism thing. To me, it was just like, yet, and it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And what's been very telling, I forgot to mention that, um, it was Axios on the Lloyd Austin uh, scandal that had a tweet saying it was, again, Republicans pounce. Literally was like Republicans make the most of or, or jump on the scandal. That's not the story, Axios. It's not. The story is about Lloyd Austin. Well, the question is, why aren't you pouncing? But here again, um, there's so many people who are writing about like the story in a way that doesn't quite capture what actually happened. And the plagiarism stuff uh, has given an opportunity to the people who want to back Claudine Gay to go after the people who pushed her the most, who pushed the story the most, including Bill Ackman. That, and that leads me to the story that dominated X over the past few days. On, uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday, Bill Ackman is this billionaire who's married to a woman from Israel. I didn't realize his wife was Israeli. And um, he's been very critical of those three university presidents and of DEI. Mm-hmm. He's one of those leftists. I think he's a lefty or a centrist at least who's seen the light on DEI. So what happens? Business Insider does a hit piece on his wife, 
on his wife, who was a tenured professor at MIT. And when she did her dissertation in 2010, Mm -hmm. apparently there were a few examples in there where she didn't use quotation marks, though right at the end of the sentence, she did a citation. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like me quoting a Maureen quote. And at the end of the sentence, I put Maureen Callahan, Daily Mail, but I didn't put the quotes around your words. Right. And they give him a very short turnaround time to respond to the business insider and so on. They dropped a hit piece. She plagiarized. Then Bill Ackman and his wife got back to them saying, we should have put quotation marks. She should have. And that's been corrected and moved on. Then the next headline admits she plagiarized. Right. And then came a third where they're now looking back on years earlier in which she apparently used information from Wikipedia without citing Wikipedia. And she's saying, I just looked up defined terms like like, let's say 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And and took the definition I found at Wikipedia. How is that plagiarism? Like, mm-hmm. since when do we cite Wikipedia as our? I'm just looking for common definitions of words that everybody uses. This is her defense. I haven't looked into any of this, but the point is, they're trying to ruin his wife. She's not involved in this in any way. Bill Ackman is just like a billionaire who got interested in this story, and the fraud that was committed by Claudine and the anti-Semitism, yeah. and now it's all in on people's families as fair game, according to Business Insider. Right. And she's, well, she's not the head of the top university in the world. Right. And she's no longer at MIT. She's no longer at MIT. She hasn't been at MIT for years. Listen, it's not a great look. It's not. And people despise hypocrisy. I am among them. But I think, you know, Business Insider announced that they're going to conduct an investigation into how this story wound up there. Apparently, it has been peddled around. MIT gave it to you. It's (laughs) obvious to those of us on the outside. There, I did your investigation for you. Thanks. So, you know, I don't I really don't know what to make of it. You know, I think it feels petty. I think it feels vengeful. I think there is a segment of this country that is still so aggrieved by what happened to Claudine Gay, who, let's be clear, is keeping her professorship at Harvard, is hauling in $900,000 a year and will probably, despite her history of plagiarism, get a book deal and go on the speaking circuit and have a very lucrative future. So I I have a couple thoughts on this. So Bill Ackman... Okay, he defended his wife because she was under attack. I think one defense is enough. And then I think you move on. Yeah. He's really doubling down on it and tripling down on it and quadrupling down on it. He's very defensive of her, which I, I appreciate as a mm-hmm. wife myself. Like you'd like to see a man defend his woman. However, they're trying to distract him. And to go too far down this lane is to take the bait. No one gives a shit about his wife. With all due respect to Bill Ackman and his wife, You're right. we don't care about her. You're right. She's not the president of a university. And he's getting distracted from the main, like, Focus on the main mission, which he's winning. And the same Chris Rufo's more, he's like a dog with a bone. He's very tough to distract. But for the record, they did go after him too, because on his resume, I guess he says, which is posted publicly, that he went to Georgetown undergrad. He's another one who really pushed and did a great job out in Claudine Gay's plagiarism. Mm -hmm. He said he went to Georgetown underground and and got his master's at Harvard. Well, it turns out he didn't really go to Harvard. He went to something called the Harvard Extension School, which is I guess you could just pay to get in. It's not like you have to be admitted like you or I would have to apply. Right. So it's not the same as Harvard. Right. Um, which was disclosed by Rufo in something I saw he posted online before this, saying mm-hmm. it's far less difficult to get into than the real Harvard. Mm-hmm. 
But I guess if you go there, you're supposed to call it an ALM, not a master's. And he had called, okay, whatever. I don't care about any of these Harvard people, to be honest with you. <laughs> However, it's another attempt. Like the left is very good at what they do. And for three days, they've been driving the news with Bill Ackman's wife is also a plagiarist and Chris Rufo lied about going to Harvard. And everybody on X is like, yes, let's do this. This is the debate we've been dying to have, not about how fraud, how fraudulent our university leaders are and how the, half of them got there because of DEI. It's not that they're being fired because of their race. It's that they were hired because of it. 100%. And Claudine Gay was given a much longer amount of time in that seat because of her race. They couldn't fire her immediately because she was a black woman. Yeah. That's what was going on. And nobody really wants to just say it. And I think that you're 100% right that Bill Ackman is sort of losing the thread here. He's doing really good stuff and that the left is sort of ginning this up. So what is the consequence? Claudine Gay was a consequential figure yeah. who needed a consequential action because it mattered. What does it matter what Bill Ackman's wife no one is cares. doing? She's in private industry now. Right. She's she's a designer. She designs furniture. I, I, and she's brilliant. She does it in some weird, cool way. But right, right, right. No one cares about her. And the other problem is, you know, the Bill Ackmans of the world have to think about this. No one wants to spend a lot of time defending a billionaire's wife who's incredibly beautiful, who dated Brad Pitt. That's mm -hmm. just the reality. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one of those you defend once and then you move on because Madge sitting in Iowa, like she cares a little. She sees what the media is doing, but she does not want to spend five days on that woman and how aggrieved she is. So this is just the reality of life and humanity. And I really think conservative activists are new to the anti-DEI cause activists like Bill. And I certainly welcome him to the to the fight um, need to understand how this works. They'll never let up. You can rehabilitate your wife to the cows come home. They'll find another way to attack you, your company. Don't take the bait offense forward. If it's really egregious, you spend maybe a day saying that's bullshit. I love my wife. Stay away from her. There's no point in getting distracted because the left is experienced and expert at what it does in destroying people. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. Well, we'll see if Bill Ackman listens to me. He has billions of dollars and I don't. So oh. it's very possible <laughs> he will move right on. Um, okay. I want to get into so much more, including uh, Jeffrey Epstein. So all this news has broken about Jeffrey Epstein over the past five days because Virginia Jufre, one of the main women who was, she was his victim. She was sex trafficked by Epstein. She's made a bunch of allegations. And listen, I've covered this case very carefully. Not all of them are true. Virginia Giuffre is a problematic witness. But in this defamation case she filed against Ghislaine Maxwell, his right-hand woman, in 2015, another one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims gave a deposition. And that testimony was full of info. And from that deposition testimony, we're now learning a lot of stuff because it was just unsealed by a court. Um, first of all, from the things that you've seen so far, what's your takeaway? What do you find the most interesting? Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton to me are by far the most interesting. Um, I, if we're talking about the same part of that, uh, court filing, there was a young woman known as Jane Doe three. That's another one. Yes. That's another one who said that she was forced into having sexual encounters with Andrew in three separate locations once in London at Ghislaine Maxwell's apartment, once in New York, and the third time on Epstein's private island, colloquially known as 
pedophile island. Uh, and she was underage at the time and forced to participate in an orgy with other underage, numerous underage girls with Andrew. Now, last week we heard that Scotland Yard was going to open an investigation into Andrew, who has said more than once he would be willing to help investigations in any way, that he would like to help the victims get closure, closure's bullshit, whatever. First of all, where is he? Yeah, then with do his it. help it. and all of his resources. And secondly, I read this morning that there is going to be no investigation into Andrew whatsoever. And I think a slap on the wrist from King Charles, you know, pulling his security detail and trying to kick him out of Frogmore Cottage simply isn't going to cut it. And I, I, the same to me, I don't understand why Bill Clinton is just photographed on vacation in Mexico without a care in the world the same day the story breaks. He was consorting with a guy that everybody knew was doing this. Everybody knew. I did this column last week and I quoted Cindy McCain, who was giving a speech about human trafficking or she was in conversation and it aired on C-SPAN and she said out loud, we all knew. Right. And it leads people to think, yes, there is an Illuminati. They're all involved. They all protect each other. Yep. There are rules for thee, not for me. Well, two of the names that were mentioned in the uh, deposition were Michael Jackson had visited Epstein. Um, uh, David Copperfield had visited Epstein and had reportedly said to one of the women, are you aware that he has girls go out and find other girls? And so this is this led to the Jim Gaffigan comment, right? right? Like right. this Hollywood politics, it's full of guys that have a thing for underage or, quote, young girls. And we seem to just be willing to be like, ha ha ha, it's Bill Clinton. He he he. Move on. Um, all right. Wait. Speaking of moving on, I'm going to move on here. I'm going to squeeze in one quick break and we're going to come back because we're not we're not done with Jeffrey Epstein. There's a lot more to discuss. Maureen stays with us. Don't go away. The Megan Kelly Show is supported by Grand Canyon University. Founded in 1949, GCU is a private Christian university that's dedicated to delivering an affordable and transformative higher education. Their vibrant campus is located in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. And according to Niche.com, ranked a top 25 best campus in the USA. As of June 2023, GCU offers 330 academic programs with over 270 of them online, allowing you the freedom to earn your degree on your time from wherever you are. At GCU, your degree, whether it's a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate, integrates the free market system and a welcoming Christian worldview. Learn more about GCU's programs, competitive tuition rates, and scholarship offers from your university counselor. They're part of the supportive graduation team that takes a personalized approach to helping you achieve your academic goals walking alongside you every step of the way. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. For more info or to enroll, visit gcu.edu. Coming up, the executive director of Stop Antisemitism will be here to reveal the organization's anti-Semite of the year. Do you have any guesses on who it might be? Hmm. Maureen Callahan is here now. She's not it. She's not an anti-Semite. <laughs> that text was a little too close to each other in the prompter. She's with the Daily Mail, and we continue our conversation now on Jeffrey Epstein. Um, so there are a lot of people who are worried about the, the reveal in these documents because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know why, because they're guys who 
went to the island or they knew Jeffrey Epstein or they ignored the warnings about him. And um, that led to this weird exchange between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel about a week, a week and a half ago, where Aaron Rodgers suggested Jimmy Kimmel doesn't want the Epstein list to come out for personal reasons. Here's what he said on the Pat McAfee show, which then I guess Pat McAfee apologized for because Jimmy Kimmel threatened to sue. Here's what was said, Satu. You have Super Bowl 58. You'll see it. The emblem, put it on the screen. And then bring it 57 and 56. Does that have something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs> feels like <laughs> feels like. It's supposed to be coming out soon. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't Please. <laughs> All right. Okay. So then, so Jimmy Kimmel was angry, threatened to sue. And then he reacted on his own show as follows, Sot 3. Needless to say, all this UFO talk has the tinfoil hatters going wild, including Green Bay whack packer Aaron Rodgers, who offered this hot take on the Pat McAfee show. I, I believe that this has been going on for a long time. Interesting uh, timing on everything. There's a lot of other things going on in the world. Did you hear about the Epstein client list uh, about to be released, too? What's that? What are you talking about? There's some files that have, have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. That's... All right. So just to correct myself, the, the second soundbite was from March. The first soundbite was just from Tuesday. So anyway, the point is they've been going back and forth about this. Him, because Kimmel made pretty clear, like, he's not totally in favor of the lists and, like, the scuttlebutt around the lists. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Rodgers kind of making the most of it. But right. if Kimmel does feel that way, he's not the only one. I mean, it seems like there are a lot of people who want this story to go away. Yeah. It seems there are a lot of people on these lists. And it's weird because, you know, you have these random names like Cameron Diaz and Naomi Campbell and Leonardo DiCaprio and they're all saying they had nothing to do with him. Um, Cameron Diaz's rep was vehement. Um, and they're saying he was sort of a name dropper and he just sort of liked to imply that he had all these relationships with multiple, multiple people. His black book, which was published years ago, I believe in New York Magazine. I mean, like everybody was in that book. Um, it doesn't mean you liked sex with underage girls. Exactly. Right, it doesn't right. mean you were soliciting massages or part of a sex trafficking ring or anything like that. Um, I don't, I, the Kimmel thing was very strange to me, like Aaron Rodgers sort of picking him out and saying, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, it's just, it's one of those things. Again, I think people feel like, what is the actual story? Who are the actual bad actors? People aren't flying on this guy's private plane, the Lolita Express, without knowing what's going on. And at what point is your association with him a sort of complicity mm -hmm. in what he's doing, especially if you happen to be a former president or a high ranking royal who is being used as the last dump showed us, I believe, Epstein considered Andrew a, quote, useless idiot, mm -hmm. which is a great phrase, mm -hmm. uh, to sort of just lure in bigger bait. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. latest reporting on him is that he wasn't knowingly part of a sex trafficking ring. Trafficking ring. He was being used. Right. His name. It's like you would think anybody that Prince Andrew back then, now we know, but right. back then is hanging out with is fine. 
this is what Alan Dershowitz has said many times, that he was a Harvard law professor there and that other people at Harvard were like, hey, meet Jeffrey Epstein. And then eventually, hey, Jeffrey Epstein needs representation. And I don't blame Alan for representing him at all. That's what criminal defense mm-hmm. lawyers do. They right. don't represent only the angels. Right. <laughs> it's the nature right. of their job. Then this Virginia Jufre wound up accusing Alan, among others. And Alan has vehemently denied all of that. And I do think he's one of those names who like, he just gets swept in there with these others. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, even Bill Clinton, I have to say, I believe he probably did like him young. How young? I don't know. Monica Lewinsky was young. Uh, primary colors suggest even younger than that, potentially. But to your point, m- might it be worth investigating when it's a former president or when it's somebody like Prince Andrew, where there's actual testimony that it's been at least three times in three different locations, part of an orgy? Like that is sex trafficking. These girls were trafficked and they are very willing to walk right away from that now that he's settled it. Yeah. Andrew. It makes you wonder what would have happened if Epstein hadn't committed suicide in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, again, I understand why these conspiracy theories abound because there's been no sort of coalescing around this big mystery. We don't feel We've, like we're getting the straight skinny. It's been years. And even with this document dump, we're still not really learning anything. There's nobody's being held to any account. You know, Jelaine Maxwell, this is going to be it. You know, you can't tell me she doesn't know where bodies are buried, mm-hmm. but she's busy through her lawyer, you know, claiming that she's the victim, that of all these men who are so predatory, it's the woman who's in prison. Like, why don't you advocate then for these other girls and women? Yeah. If you really think that. That's a good point. She she could change that. Yeah. In other words, if she would name names. She could change that narrative. Uh, that's a good point. I'm going to ask Arthur Idala about that. He's her lawyer. Our pal Arthur Idala yeah. is representing her. So yeah, next time he comes on, I'll ask him. Um, I don't know. I feel like we're not done with Epstein. We're going to get more documents today. Whether we ever get to the truth of what he actually did is another story. I know you've you've covered this for years. Mm-hmm. The thing about the Epstein accusers is, and I feel the need to say this, mm-hmm. some I do believe are credible and have been telling the truth and not all are credible. There's like a cloud around the actual victims of people who want to cash in on the Epstein story. And it's difficult sometimes to tell who's who as a reporter covering the story. Yeah. I mean, I was working on this uh, at my former place of employment years and years ago um, before Epstein really became this sort of lightning rod. And I was approached by a woman who claimed that she had been a victim and she began telling me stories and she claimed to me that she had hard evidence involving very major players, some of whom we've been discussing. And I said to her after multiple conversations, I will fly to you wherever these boxes are. And if you show them to me, then we can progress with this investigation. And multiple times she had myriad reasons why she couldn't do it. And so I dropped that thread. I completely abandoned it. Nothing was adding up. You also, as an investigative reporter covering something like this have to sort of thread a needle where you're dealing with women and girls who claim they've been the victim of sexual assault, a kind of institutionalized sexual assault. You also have to realize you're probably dealing with people who are broken mm-hmm. to a large degree. Yeah, so, true. so some of them may believe that what they're recalling is true, but is it? It's, it's very, very difficult. And it's why these documents are going to remain a mess, I think, for the foreseeable future. And you do, as a reporter, have to be careful because I look at what happened, speaking of Dershowitz, 
there's an actual correspondence between one of these women who was in the Epstein orbit and said she was trafficked by him and a reporter. And it's the reporter. I think it's she's a reporter says to the alleged victim name Dershowitz, use the name Dershowitz. He's powerful. And like the the suggestion of his name came from someone other than the victim to be named and highlighted because it would really get a lot of attention. So I also feel for some of these names, like, I don't know, just because the one Jane Doe says Prince Andrew was with right. her three, like, right. I don't think Prince Andrew behaved well. There's no question to me about that. But whether he did this, look, we should look into it. There should be an actual investigation about it. And you're right. Ghislaine Maxwell and these others should help. While we're on the subject of the royals, Meghan Markle is at it again. She can't help herself. <laughs> so according to royal expert and commentator Neil Sean, he says he broke this story that she is angry and wants answers from King Charles, according to The New York Post, over different rules for her and Harry versus others who have ditched royal life like Fergie, Sarah, Duchess of York, that she is reportedly demanding answers from King Charles about why they've been subjected to a different set of rules, uh, saying that she has tried to arrange a meeting with her father-in-law, King Charles, to discuss her concerns. She sent him a letter. She wants a one-to-one to explain exactly the problems that she has encountered ever since becoming a member of the British monarchy. It's so hard when they make you a household name across the globe. Life becomes so very difficult and they give you a whole castle to live in and you marry a prince and your children have titles and you live in a $20 million mansion in Montecito and you get flown around on Tyler Perry's jet and then they give you $150 at Netflix. She wants to tell them about her problems since she became a damn royal, Maureen. Life isn't fair. I thought she was just on the red carpet teasing all these exciting new projects she had going on in Hollywood. I thought she had left all this behind. She needs to be loved for it as well by the royals. Does she? Or does she want to exist solely in opposition and be the aggrieved anti-heroine? And that's kind of where I think she sort of gets off a little bit. Like it's very, it's sort of like somebody just rooting around in their own open wound. Mm. You know, if she didn't enjoy this, she would have moved on a long, long time ago. In what world does she think that the king of the United Kingdom is going to sit down (laughs) one-on-one with her And not sweep her for bugs and take the iPhone and worry about like notes she's going to take after that will go in the memoir. I mean, everybody knows their deal. Everybody knows what they're up to. Yes. What does she want? And as far as Sarah, who's Andrew's ex-wife. Right. She never says a negative word about the royal family, according to royal experts. I don't follow Sarah Duchess of York that closely, but the royal experts who I do watch say that she only has positive words. She loved the queen. She and the queen apparently got along very well. That the Duke of Edinburgh, the queen's deceased husband, he did not like her. So she, he, they kept her at arm's right. length. But, um, but she was never out there bashing the royal family. Exactly the opposite of what Meghan does. Why would they support her press tour when it's all about sticking the knife in their back? This also really circles back very nicely to our very first conversation about the Globes, because Harry and Meghan were noticeably absent at the Globes. Mm -hmm. There was a crack made, I think maybe by the terrible host, but it was about 
Harry and Meghan's year of sort of failure for Netflix and like the camera caught Ted Sarandos laughing about yes, it. They're getting paid hundreds of millions mm-hmm. for their failures. And then he says something like, oh, but in fairness, that was from Netflix. Right. And so you can imagine those two at home on the couch, just, you know, the anger <laughs> rising. The butt of the jokes. The butt of the jokes. They're not even invited to the after parties. You know, they're not going to be at the Vanity Fair Oscar party. Like, this is all just going to sort of go into that stew, I think, of yes. bile. I love, they say, she is furious that she and Harry get scrutinized for partaking in interviews and publicized projects while others receive no backlash and still use their royal titles like Duchess of York in Fergie's case. They have their titles. They've got their titles. She uses it everywhere on her stationery. She kept them titles for her kids. What is she complaining about? She just doesn't want the backlash. And you're right. She would. She does need it because when she was first accepted in the royal family and fast tracked by the mm-hmm. queen, she created these problems. She found things to be upset about. She created the rift with the royal family. Then she goes out there, calls them racists. Then he denies she ever did it. Then she calls the British people racists. Then they don't understand why people don't like them. Why don't we have the same rules as Fergie, who's not doing any of these things? To the end, these two are about rules for me and not for thee or vice versa. All right. Last but not least, we got to get to this. Um, actually, I might have time to squeeze two of these things and I'm going I'm to try. This is bold of me. Um, I'll get to the one. Jonathan Capehart. Yeah. So he writes, does he write for the Times or the Post? One of the I think the it's two. the Washington Post. Okay. Every piece is a post. It's a boo-hoo. It's very hard to be black. The white people are terrible. There's a long list of those. I mean, a long list. Um, well, he also is over on MSNBC. And, you know, because January 6th has become a national holiday that like literally the left celebrate. It's like, it's become like Pearl Harbor. It's like 9-11. They get together. They have like whatever. Um, even though the polls show most people want to move on, even Democrats now are saying, can we move on? It was, it wasn't great, but whatever. We got through it. He has on this police officer, Michael Fanone, who was hurt on January 6th. And I feel for what happened to Michael Fanone on January 6th, but I'm over his far left political commentary. And then his attempting to present himself as just this like guy without an ax to grind, independent thinker. We know you're a hardened leftist Democrat from the way you sound. I mean, you've made it perfectly clear. Um, So that's fine. You can be. But like, don't be surprised when people react to you in a partisan way. Fanon goes on with Jonathan Capehart. The story was not Fanon in this moment. It was the anchor, Jonathan Capehart, the so-called journalist. Watch this. Officer Fanon, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, Thank you for what you did three years ago today. Um, Please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. Oh my God. He's crying. Maureen. So I knew we were going to talk about this. I was <laughs> really looking forward to it. <laughs> I did two quick Google searches. One was reporters who cry on the air. Rachel Maddow could not get herself through a segment on children who were crossing the border with their parents illegally and being rehoused in places. She made a big show of having to actually toss off to the next show because she could not get the words out. Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper maybe has 20 of his greatest Uh. hits online. And then I went back and watched that famous part of broadcast news. Do you remember where William Hurt? Oh, when he faked the tears. 
And yeah. Holly Hunter, who is in love with him, is watching this and then realizes in that moment that he's a total fraud. Yes. And she's and like, she has to break effing, up with him. Yes. And that's what this reminds me of. And that is this kind of thing that like when I was in journalism school, they would use that as example number one of what never to do. And they would kick you out of the industry do you for think it. It's fake or you yes. just think it's affected. Like he he brought it on like he did it. No, I guess I think it's kind of the same I think, thing. I think he practiced at home in front of the mirror. He had the Kleenex right there. He was moving it. He started out. They hadn't even You're been right. having a conversation. Why is he so worked up? It's so true. He's introducing the segment. He had the tissue right there. He mm -hmm. was dabbing at the nose. Uh, like, And there were no tears. I mean, housewives do it better. That is fascinating. Fascinating to me. You could be right. I'm going to have to ask Melissa Francis. She was at Fox for many years. She's my friend. And she used to star on Little House on the Prairie. One of the reasons she got the role as Cassandra Ingalls, that was the second version of Children after the first one's aged up, right? Is she could cry on demand. Yeah. And now when her kids cry, like fake cry, she's like, I really expected better as my offspring. <laughs> like, this is, I object. You need to produce actual water or we're not even going to talk. I'm going to run it by her. See what she thinks. I think you should. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's I fake? think it's real because the left is genuinely that's that upset still over January 6th because they love upset when it comes to anything related to Trump or that will make Trump look bad or our poor democracy that they're so concerned about unless they're trying to boot candidates of choice off of ballots so that the people can't even vote on them. <laughs> that that democracy dying in darkness doesn't hurt them or make them cry. By the way, none of the cops who got hurt. I didn't see Jonathan Capehart cry for the 2000 cops who got injured in the BLM riots. No, I didn't see him cry when we had cops actually dying in the midst of those riots or police precincts being burned down. I didn't see him crying for those cops. Where were your tears then, Jonathan? Didn't see any of that. So spare me. Great point. Great to have you. Always the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come back again soon. I will. Next, we're going to get to the actual anti-Semite of the year. Once again, not Maureen. Thank you. <laughs> no, big break in those two pieces of script. Um, we'll be right back. I'm Megan Kelly, host of The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch The Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a Sirius XM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love. Great people like Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck, Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM at home or anywhere you are, no car required. I do it all the time. I love the Sirius XM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy, talk, podcast, and more. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com slash MKShow and get three months free. Offer details apply. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes in equal opportunity and that the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing, and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September, GCU meets you where you are. 
and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. There has been a shocking rise in anti-Semitism in the United States, or maybe it's just like a rise in our awareness of what's already been out there uh, since Hamas's October 7th attacks. It's so crazy. Think about that. It's just like after 9-11, there was an outpouring of sympathy for the United States. Think about if on September 20th, 2001, what actually happened was a rise in anti-Americanism. That's really what's happening to Israel right now. Why? Because it launched a retaliatory campaign to take out Hamas, the people who did this to it. And yet people here, too many of them, in my view, are responding with some really gross anti-Semitism. Not everything's been anti-Semitic. You want to criticize Netanyahu. You want to criticize the response politically because you think it went too far. Okay, that that I can tolerate. That I get. But blaming Israel for the for its own uh, the murder of its own people. We're in a different league. And um, our next guest has been keeping tabs on all those folks, the people who have no sympathy for the hostages, who've been tearing down the posters. I mean, I don't know if there's another person who has worked harder to expose those people uh, than Leora Rez. She's the executive director of Stop Antisemitism. You've likely seen the organization's video on social media exposing violent anti-Israel protesters, people who were hurting students, Jewish students just walking to class. Um, and of course, as I mentioned, those tearing down the pictures of the hostages. She is also here to reveal the 2023 anti-Semite of the year. Leora, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank I mean, so much. honestly, we're joking that we're, you know, it's, it's something to win, but really it's good. You're keeping tabs on this because yep. otherwise it continues to fester and it gets worse. Um, so you had a lot of choices in 2023. You probably had more choices this year than ever before. 100%. Um, so don't tell us yet who it was, but do you, you want to tell us who was in the last like few who you were narrowing it down to? Yeah. So, uh, in the end, over 15,000 people voted and the final three were supermodel Gigi Hadid, daughter of known anti-Semite Muhammad Hadid. So it's a family affair mm. over there. Um, Hamas head, uh, Hania and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. <laughs> and who is the winner? So our winner, again, over 15,000 people voted. And Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib won the dishonor. Mm, right. Exactly. Yeah. Won in air quotes. Yeah. She beat the head of Hamas. She did. Wow. That's how Americans view her anti-Semitism as being that egregious. So why? She Expl beat out the head of Hamas. Like for people who, I think people have a general feel that the squad is generally pretty anti-Semitic in their comments and so on. Um, and she's been sort of the leader. She's the only Palestinian elected to Congress. So what is it specifically that she's done that so, you think got her this dishonor? So since day one, since she's been elected, it's one anti-Semitic incident after another. The first day that she was sworn in and uh, into office, what she did was replace uh, Israel on a map with a sticky note of Palestine. Um, she constantly votes for um, pro-BDS legislation. Explain what that is for people who know. So the anti-Semitic BDS uh, boycott, divest, sanction um, movement is an anti-Semitic movement that singles out the world's only Jewish nation, Israel, um, in a double standard methodology that, and it holds it to standards that it holds no other nation, not what's going on in China, not what's going on in Iran, not what's going on in Sudan, in Russia. Their main focus 
is these false atrocities and these false claims of genocide and apartheid in Israel. Mm -hmm. And they have, and this is what frustrates so many in the Jewish community and our allies. They have no interest in helping the Palestinians. The only thing that this movement does is vilify and isolate and, and promote more hatred towards the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. Yes. What is that? Because you look around just in the wake of this conflict and Jordan won't take the refugees from Palestine and Egypt certainly won't take them. They're like, it's a hard wall. Good luck. Um, and nobody in the Middle East will. So well, if they're so sympathetic for, you know, towards the Palestinians, why don't they take them? Why? Why don't, aren't they outraged about what's happening to Muslims in other parts of the world? It's just this particular group whom they won't help. So we've been asking this for years now. If you look at the grotesque war happening in Syria, how many um, fellow Muslims Assad has gassed. Uh, if you look at the civil war in Sudan, how many literally there's a genocide happening. You don't hear about it. You don't hear about what's happening in Iran. Uh, for some reason... The Arab world is just so grossly focused on this Palestinian conflict. Um, there's financial incentives to keep on promoting it, and they want to keep it a Jewish problem. Uh, that's the only thing that ma makes sense. It works for them on a, on a number of levels. So Rashida Tlaib, um, she's just, there have been so many examples, but the one that comes to mind is when the Fox reporter got her in the hallway asking her about children who'd been murdered by Hamas We'll play it just to remind the audience at home who she is and what she's sounded like in the wake of these atrocities in SOT 23. Terrorists have um, cut off babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads. Do you have a comment on Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads? You have nothing to say about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads. Do you condone what Hamas has done, chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street? Yeah. So that's Rashida Tlaib. Seven times she was asked, correct? Yeah. Seven times she could not muster a word of sympathy. Seven times. Mm -hmm. We're talking over 1,000 Israelis and foreign nationals butchered. Butchered. We're talking about babies burned alive, countless women raped, girls as young as 12, 13 years old. That's what new testimony and evidence is showing. We're talking about savage raping pedophiles. Elderly survivors, some Holocaust survivors, elderly victims, excuse me, some Holocaust survivors shot point blank in the head at a bus stop. A sitting U.S. Congresswoman being asked seven times if she would denounce the murdering of babies and she could not say no. This is stomach churning, st stomach churning to me as an American. What what does it say about her? And I mean, it, we have a fair amount of the squad coming out of places in Michigan, coming out of Minnesota. What does it say about those pockets? Her district has got a lot of uh, Palestinian Americans now there. Um, what does it say about us that we've elected her? You know, we elected AOC. We elected Ilan Omar over in Minnesota. Like, I 
It do, things don't seem to be going that great in Dearborn, Michigan. It's not. And it's honestly an embarrassment for America that such a hate-filled individual is sitting in such a prestigious position in the United States government. And the only thing that we can hope for is that she will be voted out of office. But she won't, right? Because her constituency feels as she does. So I'm a very optimistic person, and I'm hoping that her constituency sees that her hate is not getting them anywhere. Mm -hmm. Her district continues to decline in uh, economic numbers, in health value numbers. I want to know what is she doing for her district? How much do you worry about the immigration problem right now and who's coming in, given you know the Jew hatred that we're seeing spread? Listen, it's concerning. Um, I think we have a massive issue at the southern border, as nearly every American does. And it's extremely concerning when we're hearing in the news that Syrian men ages 18 through 26 are coming through the southern border. What are they doing? And I, listen, I'm an immigrant from the former Soviet Union. We came here when I was five years old to escape communism and its evil twin socialism. So I'm I'm an immigrant. I'm for, for legal immigration, for proper procedures and protocols and policies and for proper vetting. However, when we're seeing, you know, men age 18 coming, wh where are the women? Where are the children? Mm -hmm. Why are we seeing young men? from the Middle East. So it's it's extremely concerning. Yeah. Do we really want to become France? Have you seen what's happened to French people? Have you seen the change in culture over there, the change in what's happening with young women and how they're not Shocking. able to walk around in certain areas with tank tops anymore without getting harassed? No, there are no-go zones. Yeah. Absolutely. The French police are even afraid, you know, to go in certain areas. So no, you do we want that in the United States? And the answer is no, absolutely so not. She seems like she'd be fine with it. Tlaib, I think, would be Delighted to see that happen because she's been on the wrong side of virtually every issue re relating to Israel or Jewish people from the start. And I don't you see like dead babies, tortured children and tortured elderly. And you have any reaction other than I'm horrified and I'm happy to tell you that in a microphone. There's something wrong with you. Like there's something wrong with this person. Uh, but she's not alone. She's not alone. That's why you had so many to choose from. And there's an there's a story every day. And God bless you guys at Stop Anti-Semitism, because I, as you know, I'm all over your X feed. You are. Thank you so much for but your allyship. Of course. It's, I can't believe it's like drinking from a fire hose, yes. right? You must have so many people yes. sending you things. Yes. And among other things, those hostage teardown videos are so irritating because the callousness with which the nine times out of 10, it's like some young female, this men too, but like it's often some young female woke college campus loser who has zero empathy for what's happening in, in many cases to the female hostages, including yep. Americans right now. So we put together just a little montage of some of the best of. Here it is in South 30. Why are you ripping these down? Because it's false information and you're beat. What's yes, false? Hold on. What's false about it? Listen, I'm going to rip it off whether you're here recording me or not. I already spoke to a cop. This shit is legal. So you're beat. No, stop. You're it's so legal, beat. It's 100% legal it? and you're beat. What you going to do about it? You're fucking outrageous. What's outrageous? You. Why don't you do something for Palestine? Why don't you do me? This is for Palestine. Show your name. Show your face. Show your face. Don't worry about it. You're going to be. I'm not touching you. You're harassing us. No, no, no. You'll be all over. Why are you tearing them down? Innocent people were kidnapped. Innocent people killed. Tearing down? 
a poster oh. of my cousin Sharon. She is currently hostage in Gaza right now. What the fuck are you doing? You really that is my cousin. My cousin's hostage in Gaza, and you're tearing her, you're tearing a poster down of her. Mm. That when they won't show their faces, I mean, it's especially annoying. Like you don't even have the guts to own what you're doing. We view it as challenging, where it gives us extra incentive <laughs> yeah, yeah. to see who they are um, and kind of look into you know their methodology, their internal thinking as to why they're doing what they're doing. How often do you get your man or woman when you post and say, "Please help us identify who this is"? We're about a fifty percent success rate. Okay, um, and I have to tell you, it's yeah, it's a lot of college kids. Um, we've had a few medical professionals. Yep, I've seen um, that. A dentist, a more than a dentist, few. right? I'm using that loosely, and it's honestly what what's troubling to me. You know. Some of these women doing it are, are mothers, we found out. And when you're looking at a poster of a kidnapped baby and you have any other thought than awe or, oh my gosh, what happened or anything besides empathy or compassion, and instead you have this rage and anger that causes you to actually destroy property that's not yours, This you have to ask, what kind of person, how much hate do you have to be filled with? to physically tear something down and destroy it. I know. No, it's true because I see the videotapes of, you know, the, the, the hurting Palestinian children in this. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yes. That's what a normal person feels yes. when you see suffering like that. I have the right perspective. I understand that this has been unleashed on them by Hamas um, and that Israel's doing everything within its power to not hurt innocents, to not hurt children. But you wouldn't know that from the mainstream narrative. Right. Or even have you been surprised at how quickly the Democrats, not all, but many, have abandoned Israel in this and gone quickly to ceasefire, ceasefire. So I have to tell you, when we look back at Tlaib, we were so pleasantly surprised to see 22 members of her own party who have basically said enough is enough. They censured her. You're, yes. And she became at that time the 26th member of the House to be censured. Thank God. Finally. Unfortunately, took an, a massacre like October 7th for many members of her own party to say enough is enough. Again, it's how much anti-Semitism do you have to spew? Well, and in that case, she been, she had been openly lying about Israel. And was caught about bombing it. Bombing the hospital. Yes. And even when the leftists on MSNBC were saying, OK, that wasn't right. And The New York Times had to correct its headline. I mean, even then, she refused to acknowledge Reality. Yes. She was even community noted. So above the New York Times, right? Yeah, yeah. Above um, XYZ. She was community noted. She still refused to take down that libelous tweet because her one goal while sitting in office is not appeasing her constituents, is not making her communities better that she's representing. It's vilifying the world's only Jewish country, mm. Israel. I mean, do you think it didn't used to be so partisan when it came to Israel in no. the United States? It used to have bipartisan support. And then we saw that thing at the Democratic National Convention. I can't remember the year. I think it was 2012. Yep. Was it 12 or 16? I think it was 12. 12. Where they uh, they weren't in support and they made it clear, right? Remember that? They shouted out. It was like, do we support as part of our platform that we support yep. Israel? And they they either tried to vote it down or did vote it down. It was a shocking moment, I remember. Yep. Uh, and since then, in the explosion of DEI, it's turned. And then there's a segment on the right, too. There's a yep. segment on the right. I mean, for sure, the alt-right, they've been wanting 1, to kill Ben Shapiro or silence Ben Shapiro yep. and other Jewish 
you know, prominent Americans for a long time. 1,000%. They kind of met around the bend there, those two groups. Yes. And man, oh man, it's exploded. It, it has. And the most startling thing that we're seeing is that white supremacists keep referring to the Zionist that, the Zionist that, the Zionist this, the Zionist nation. And what they're doing, they're adopting this radical left language that the the squad has just mastered with AOC and Bowman and uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. And now we see Summer Lee into that mix um, since the last election cycle. And what they do, it's- Where is she from? She's just PA. She's a representative in, um, this one, in this, Pennsylvania. Yeah, this it was a very close race. Not ready for prime time. No, she's not. We were very concerned we, when we saw the shell organization running all of these squad members, Justice Dems, pushing her with all their might. She won by a very, very tiny margin. Um, you know, we're hearing that our constituents are also not very thrilled with her, which, you know, gives us a little bit of hope. But uh, we're seeing for the first time this massive horseshoe theory where the alt-right and these neo-Nazis on the right are mirroring the exact rhetoric these radical lefties are mirroring, mm-hmm. are, are spewing. And it's so frightening. And it has Jews in the middle. Yeah. Like, it's scary. It's it's very scary. There are the incidents, I mean, we could spend all day going through the incidents. I'll, I'll just touch on a couple of the ones that we saw recently. This past weekend or week um, in New York, in Westchester, a high school basketball game in Yonkers had to be canceled mid-game. I'm sure you saw this. Yep. Mid-game. Yep. When players on the home team, um, which was, hold on, I want to make sure I say it. Was it Roosevelt? Roosevelt. Um, Roosevelt High School, a public school in Yonkers faced off against a private Jewish school players from the Leffel School and thought it might be fun to scream, you fucking Jew, at these girls. I support Hamas. Forgive me for just saying it outright. And they had to stop the game in the middle of the game. They said that from the outset, the Jewish players were being shown hostility and aggression, substantially more jabs and comments thrown than they had ever experienced in the past, quoting yes. here um, from, let's see, I actually don't even know where I printed this out This out from, uh, but I'll find it. And um, in the middle, they decided to end the, end the game. Uh, Roosevelt High School agreed to a voluntary forfeit. And now the Roosevelt, um, although the spokesman for Yonkers Public Schools, doesn't seem to care much. Downplayed the shocking behavior saying, oh, a student athlete made a statement involving pre- free Palestine. It was addressed. That's it. Yeah, no. So the coach, um, apparently I learned this morning that the coach stepped down or was fired or forcibly resigned. Good. Something like that. Um, However, no one knows his identity. So I'd love it if one of your listeners or somebody knew, please, I invite them to email us at info at stopantisemitism.org. Okay. And let us know who this coach is because he doesn't deserve the anonymity. If I have to tell you, I don't think this is the first time this happened. Um, I think there was probably you know, anti-Semitic bigoted language, probably in the locker room during practice times, things like that. The fact that um, it came to this fiasco of a, you know, situation, you know, leads me to believe that this coach should have been let go a while ago. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why his identity is being hidden. Also would love to know um, other players that were involved um, that were not punished. As far as we know, only one player was removed from the team. We're hearing from the school, the Jewish school, however, that multiple uh, players from Roosevelt were making the anti-Semitic racist comments. So it's being minimized. It's trying to be brushed under the rug. The good news, you know, it's out there. It's in the media. But stop anti-Semitism exists to expose 
who these anti-Semites are, yeah. who is allowing this hatred. So we want to know. So if anybody out there knows, please email us, info at stopantisemitism.org. This is one of the debates that we've been having in the country. And I, I had it with Vivek Ramaswamy on X. And then when he came on my show after the fourth presidential debate, he, he is against the outing of really names and attaching consequences to those who are protesting against Israel in even an offensive way. I mean, he basically says, and forgive me, Vivek, if I get it a little wrong, but um, you can look at his comments directly. He said it on Twitter and, and elsewhere that we shouldn't be punishing stupid college kids for stupid positions that they had, you know, and which response to which I say, well, this isn't like joining Greenpeace and then later realizing, wait, that was folly. This is something, you know, very different. So, so I have to tell you, um, and he's not the only one that states that. And our answer is stop treating 18-year-olds like infants. They can vote. They can serve in the army. They can buy guns. They can smoke. The only thing that they can do at 18, 19, 20 is drink. So no, stop infantilizing terror supporters. And secondly, we're not exposing anybody who's critiquing Israel. You want to critique Israel? I mean, go look at the Jewish community. We yeah. love critiquing Israel, Benjamin and Netanyahu, the cabinet. That's not anti-Semitic. What's anti-Semitic is calling for the removal of the world's only Jewish nation. It's boycotting the world's only Jewish nation while you're ignoring actual atrocities happening globally. So I respectfully disagree. Uh, they have First Amendment rights to spew their speech, to support Hamas verbally. And we have, you know, our First Amendment rights to expose that. To call them out. To, absolutely. To alert their students, their professors, uh, their, their university presidents, their university presidents to see who amongst them are supporting Hamas. Because, again, this isn't like, oh, Israel is bad. Palestine is good. OK, great. That's like you like vanilla, you like chocolate. We don't care. However, if you're saying there's... Hamas terrorists are resistance fighters and they did nothing wrong. This is insane. And at 18 years old, I had the intelligence level to know not to support a terror group. Yeah. You're either very, very dumb and uninformed or you're very, very hateful. Yes. <laughs> to justify anything. That and we lean and we're leaning towards the hateful, unfortunately, which is so frightening. You've got evidence of it. Yeah. You've got plenty yep. of evidence. I have to give a shout out to Syracuse University. I'm sorry. They're not perfect, but Syracuse University on camera made the rounds on social media this weekend. It happened in mid-December where the administrator is enforcing the code of conduct yep. against a bunch of students who are calling for an intifada. It's going to be easier for the YouTube audience because you kind of need to see it in the captions, but I'm going to play it anyway. Watch it. Sot twenty. <laughs> He's telling me you can't call for intifada. We're, we're concerned about the word intifada. Thank you, my friend. Concerned about the this is not a debate. She's asking what it means. Yes, has deemed that to be inappropriate and it needs to be removed. The one girl's like, where, what policy? Show it to me. And he gives it to her saying, it's right there. You can hear the edge rise in the yes. what, it, She's not asking for a definition. Yeah. Like, they are not used to being. They're not used to being told no. Yeah. And no is no. It's like he's talking to a group of toddlers. Right across the way in Cornell, 
they've been handling things very differently, yep. right? That's where you had the professor out there like, I was exhilarated yes. to see all the Jews die. Yes. And what happened to him? He got a slap on the hand. He can't teach for a semester. It's mm -hmm. pathetic. And furthermore, if we look at Cornell, it's so bad there. The FBI is investigating the anti-Semitism there after a student was arrested posting on a thread board his desire to murder Jews. Right. Now, they've taken to, you know, the, co the college campuses pulling down the uh, posters, but they've also taken to stopping traffic uh, in New York. We have some video. It happened over the weekend in, uh, I think it was Seattle, Washington, yep. or um, it was Oregon. My team will tell me. But this, you tell me whether this is the way forward to make it impossible for commuters to get to work, to get to their sports game, to get home to their family. I mean, talk about undermining your own campaign. If you're looking to create enemies, please continue doing this because it has to be the silliest, most counterproductive thing that I think any kind of activist movement could do. F let's take a look at what happened uh, JFK this during the holiday. Watching right now, uh, JFK during holiday during the holiday season. I mean, we all know how stressful it is flying in and out of JFK. Uh, you know, you're running late. There's traffic. Weather's crazy. Yada yada. All of a sudden, you see a blockade of people. It got so bad, people had to get out of their car and walk with their suitcases to their gates. Oh or in Seattle this past weekend when they barricaded the five. Yes, that's what it was. And there was a, an ambulance Here's with Seattle. its lights. Look at this, courtesy of Jason Rance. He's been on the show. It's crazy. I can, can you imagine the anger you would feel at that mob we just showed? Making it so that you couldn't get to the grocery store, to the doctor for your medication, to the pharmacy, to the hospital, to your job. What is this doing to quote unquote free Palestine? It's doing nothing. It's creating more hate and division. It's the silliest thing that we, it, it's silly, it's dumb, it's counterproductive. And the people who are funding it, which we, we think it's the People's Forum, it's this multi million dollar project out of uh, New York City, they're doing nothing to help the Palestinian people. The only thing they're managing to do is grab headlines and create more hate and division. What did you make of that picture of Jennifer Garner and her daughter? Violet, Violet, her, this the one of the daughters she shares with Ben Affleck with this mask. I mean, it was like a you would think typhoid had returned. It, it was like next level. Listen, I and I, I have a I have a mother who's um you know knock on wood, Bizarre Hashem. Um, she is a survivor of leukemia, so anything, heaven forbid, can really harm her. So I never want to insult somebody if they're a little bit extra concerned about germs. She's outside. Okay. I, I'm not one to judge. It's none of my business. Mm -hmm. What I am concerned though, is the Palestinian, the free Palestine movement has taken a fruit, a watermelon, watermelon. and has repurposed it as a sign of the free Palestine movement. And what's so funny to me is that Israel is actually one of the largest exporters of watermelons. Oh, so this she is she was wearing it. That's why. So, yeah. So that's why I'm, uh, that's why I'm mentioning it. But what it is, um, where what this hoodie that she was wearing, it basically was this watermelon uh, taking over the entire land. And whether you have Judea and Samaria, otherwise known as the West Bank, you have Israel proper, you have Gaza, the watermelon encompassed the entire land from the river, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Which again, when they're when they're chanting from the river to the sea, ninety percent of it have no idea what the hell they're saying. They can't name it. No, of course not. Um, they're like, oh yeah, what mountain range? Yada yada. It's it's ridiculous. So she's wearing this sweatshirt with this watermelon stretched across, you know, you know, encompassing the entire land, and social media blew up. And at first, I was like, you know, this is just silly. We shouldn't really feature it. Then my team was like, no, we actually should. 
She's an adult. She's 18 years old now. Yep. She is promoting something. She has nothing, like no, no idea. Ex- That's the thing. Right. To millions. And it's it's problematic because when we look at what's happening behind the scenes to, you know, with kids on TikTok, on Instagram, being fed this constant anti-Semitic false propaganda by the likes of Sean King and so on and so forth, it's it's a problem. And she's the product of it. What do we do about TikTok? I'm hoping one day we get rid of TikTok mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, I mean, it's not in our home. Yeah, it's not in ours either. Um, and, you know, I'm not against social media. You know, we we have it. Um, we obviously stop anti-Semitism utilizes the social media platforms. But TikTok is so extremely problematic. We hope that one day it's removed from the United States. I will tell you, uh, my kids are not allowed on TikTok, but there are a lot of adults that use it. And so I do go there as a as a news person because I agree with what Vivek said at that one debate, even though he sort of had flip flopped on it. We we do need to be getting our message out there. Like I I will continue saying the things I'm saying and putting them on TikTok in the hopes that somebody will listen to me. Yep. Um, until TikTok is no longer a thing, because we can't. The, the answer is not just to seed the whole conversation. Should we get on lunatics? Should yeah. We, yeah. Yes. Maybe you, we'll get go on. there under if protest. You, if you tell me to get on, maybe I'll get on. Why would we seed the whole debate? Yeah. In front of young people yep. to the lunatics. Listen, I have to tell you the thing that really it's not just myself, the whole romanticizing Osama bin Laden. Oh, my God. Wow. If that didn't open people's wow. eyes. And then a few weeks later, you have a member of the LGBTQ plus community promoting the Quran. Yeah. And you- wow. I'm like, uh, are you not aware of what happens to members of the LGBTQ They're community not. in the Middle East? It's punishable by death in certain countries. They didn't, they didn't read to the end. They didn't. No, oh. they didn't. <laughs> I got to run because we're out of time. Leora, thank you for all you do. God bless you. No, thanks so much for having me. All it's the so best. so much fun. Come back anytime tomorrow. Victor Davis Hanson. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.